Well, there was a welter of news, we could say, this week, which means we have got a lot to talk about today with our Powerhouse Roundtable. Well, let's tell you who's with us this morning first. Stephen Johnson is a Miami attorney who chairs Miami-Dade County's Black Affairs Advisory Board, and he is also the president of the 100 Black Men of South Florida. Marilee Cancio is an attorney with her own name firm in Miami, very active in the Republican Party locally and nationally. And Chris Smith is an attorney in Fort Lauderdale and active in the Democratic Party locally and nationally. He is a former state rep and a state senator from Broward County. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you. Get your own law firm here this yeah, morning. You know, I, I was just thinking <laughs> that there's a... Two non-lawyers. <laughs> a lot right of here. lawyers with a timed show. This could be fun. Yeah. Stephen, let me begin by asking, I want to hear from each of you, but let me begin by asking you, you know, we heard Congressman Diaz-Balart express, you know, disappointment, uh, a sadness that these kids who are down there, 2,500 or so, uh, at this detention facility won't be able to go to class, won't be able to have any recreation outdoors. You know, all these programs are being cut back, but he says, well, if the Democrats would agree and give us the money, we'd be able to do it. I, I mean... What's so, your what's your take? Interesting. The congressman actually says seven hundred and fifty dollars per day per child. There are a thousand children there. That's seven hundred and fifty thousand. They want to go. It's almost three thousand. Well, they want to. Uh, yeah. When I saw, they wanted to expand it yeah. to three thousand. Yeah. That's going to be two point one million dollars yes. a day. So you can't find an hour for soccer. Mm. Soccer balls are not that expensive, yeah. and that's what they're paying now. You know the the um, that's sad to hear, yeah. but. The fact that legal representation is being curtailed, Mary Lee, it sounds, that almost sounds like it, it's an inviting and a lawsuit of some sort. That, that's statutory, that's constitutional. How is that even possible? I think last time I was in the show, we talked about these mind-boggling numbers of $750 right. mm -hmm. per person and all the millions of dollars per day. Uh, the problem is the numbers of people that are coming illegally and these facilities are overcrowded. There's no more money for more uh, border security. And I think the funding is the main issue. As Congressman Diaz-Balart mentioned, we need the funding. Without the funding, they're going to have to focus on security, the well-being, feeding uh, these children. But how do, you, how do you not provide legal representation for a legal migrant? That, that just... That just defies it's, it's logic. As, if these kids are being held hostage, their legal representation, their physical attributes, their, 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 everything they're going through is being held hostage in this political game of, okay, is this a crisis? How much we're going to pay for it and stuff? Whereas we need to focus on making sure these kids that are in our custody, in our custody, are being yeah. taken care of. And, and it's like they're being held hostage by yeah. politicians. Well, these psychologists, lawyers who have filed a suit, you know, in response to, they believe, violating the Flores Agreement, which says the government yes. can hold children up to 20 days and then have to place them with either family or sponsors. Uh, these kids are down there. I mean, Glenna, you've been there. Uh, sometimes they're down there for months, months while they are being processed. Now, to give the, the Caliburn company its due, mm -hmm. since it opened, I read that there are 12,000 kids who have gone through that facility. 9,700 have been placed and are out. Okay. But, I mean, the idea that 3,000 kids are going to be down there all day, merrily, without agree. classes, without uh, a recreation, I mean, these are kids 13 to 17. What do you, yeah. you, know, what do you expect? Uh, my, my granddaughter, who's here in the studio with me, she goes to public school, and she doesn't have recess, and it's also a matter of funding. 
So I agree with you that we need to find a way to be able to care for these kids properly. You know what was very interesting to me reporting this this week? The, the fact that they have to withhold services is, is an, an act. It's called the Anti-Deficiency Act. You can't provide services that aren't being funded. Mm -hmm. But part of the Anti-Deficiency Act is they cannot accept volunteer services. Yeah. So people, I've gotten calls, how can I help the kids in Homestead? People who want to volunteer maybe as a, for legal representation or a coach for, so they can play soccer. Yeah. On, uh, under the act are not allowed to do and that. That adds to what I said, the playing of politics with kids. It's like we're going to make our point and we're going to make people suffer. And, and you see it all the time in politics, in, in the whole realm, not just this. But, you know, let's make people suffer to truly push the point and try and get some change and to not allow volunteers down there to coach yeah. soccer, to teach English and those right. things. Well, Miami-Dade County School Superintendent Alberto Carvalho on a number of occasions has said, let us in, we will provide yes. the teachers, we will teach these kids, but this is a federal facility which is outside the realm HHS of state law. HHS addressed that actually. Uh, HHS reps in Homestead said that they had gone to the district for teachers, but teachers can't be provided for a temporary job. Um, that was HHS reaction to that. And well, let me, let me say this. We've got to figure a way out of this, and I'll tell you why. There's a lot of talk these days mm -hmm. about whether or not America's great or making it great. You can't be great without being magnanimous. And you can't be magnanimous if you're going to have children sitting, for all intents and purposes, in 24-hour lockdown with nothing to do, no education, no recreation. That's absurd. The congressman said you wouldn't want your children there, but it's okay. No, 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 no. No education, no recreation. We wouldn't want anyone's children. Why isn't the answer speeding up the process to get them out? Well, look, listen. And, and that's, that's the back, there is a backlog. And we are having political fights right now about what that process is. Look, the Senate has said we're not going to take up the, the Dreamers Act of 2019. Great, wonderful. At some point, we need to figure out what we're going to do about this problem. And it's not a one-shot solution. It has to be holistic because it's a problem we all have. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right, so hold your thoughts, everybody. We've got so much more to talk about with the roundtable when we come back. We're glad to have you back with us live in our studio this morning. We are in the midst of a really interesting roundtable with Stephen Johnson, Mara Lee Concio, Chris Smith. Uh, Mara Lee, uh, we also spoke with uh, Congressman Diaz-Balart about the fact that he was one of seven Republicans who voted for the Dream and Promise Act, which would give a path to citizenship for not just dreamers, but people with TPS, two and a half million migrants who are in this country who need legal status, but that's going nowhere in the Senate. And that is because uh, the Senate controlled by Republicans wants a comprehensive solution to immigration reform. Well, can't you do and, this incrementally? Well, I, I agree uh, with Congressman Diaz-Balart and I am in favor of helping dreamers as soon as possible, but what's going to happen two years from now when we have hundreds of thousands of people coming, 144,000 last month. Yeah. We've had more people come in the first five months of 2019 than in the entire 2018. So we're going to have this problem again in two years from now, five years from now. But are the, the dreamers yeah. and the people who are included in this particular bill, are a 
a set number of people. Yeah. I mean, th yeah, there's a, at, there's at, a line At there. some point, you know, to go to a football analogy, at some point you got to get a first down mm -hmm. and not just try to get that mm -hmm. touchdown. Why is it always sports? It's a Seminole. It's a Seminole. I'm getting ready. But, I mean, this is a, this is a great first down. I mean, the House passed it, and we see our local delegation, mm -hmm. who is in, I mean, is deeply embedded in this, mm -hmm. are supporting it. And this is a time when the Senate can say, okay, we, let's take this off the table as we move forward and try to get comprehensive immigration reform. But at least on this, we all agree, let's get this off the table and move it forward. And, and I think the American people support it. Uh, well, the yes. majority of Americans they support do. that. Yeah. Let, let me tell you, we have, we just did, the 100 Black Women in South Florida just did a program for children at, at one of the Miami high schools. It was a financial literacy program. Two of the children, at the end of the program, we gave everyone a check for participating so that they can go get banked and mm -hmm. do the things that you uh, would do That's with right. your financial <laughs> literacy. Two of the children were unbanked because of their immigration status. And now we're struggling with they that. They couldn't open a bank account? Exactly. And we're talking about high school seniors who had been here since yeah. they were children. Yeah. So, so they, they are the dreamers? They literally, if, if you're thinking about who these people are, they go to school with your children. They, they, you work next to them every day. They're going to find themselves not being able to participate in this greater thing we call the American dream, and that's what's wrong. Yes. We've got to fix it. And Republicans could actually take a ballywick from the Democrats by saying, you know what? Yeah, here's your path. Now give me my wall. You know, it's um, that would be scary for, for, for a Democrat <laughs> like me. That'd be well, the scariest yeah, thing in well, the world. As, matter, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, even the Washington Post, I think, mm -hmm. you know, center left newspaper last year said, all right, give the dreamers a path to citizenship and fund some of the wall. Yeah. yeah. So it's not an impossible. But that wasn't the proposal. table last year, I believe. It when, was. Yes, that yeah. was on the table last year. And the Democrats refused it. So they continue to play politics on both sides. There was an election going on at the time. <laughs> you know, you can't yeah. do those things. But what, what I'm saying is, and it's interesting, immigration, and we've talked about it earlier, it's going to require a holistic approach. And on some of these, we need to make sure that folks have a path to citizenship. And on others, we need to stem a tide that's coming. So, right, but to Michael's point, it, the holistic approach is critical, but you have a, a, a specific problem here, and they are dreamers, 800,000, yeah. mm -hmm. plus 1.6 million more because there are, the dreamers are registered. The government knows where to find them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's a scary prospect for them. And then there's all this 1.6 who are not registered. And so these are people with a very specific problem that is addressed yeah. in this bill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll have to deal with this huge influx that is coming you know, down the road. Uh, if I can, let's kind of pivot here. Okay. I want to look mm -hmm. at a big story out of Broward County uh, yeah. this week. And Chris right. Smith, let me ask you about this. Scott Peterson, former school resource officer, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, is charged with, ch charged with child abuse and neglect and perjury. Uh, these charges against a police officer for failing to do his job, yes. you know, are just unprecedented. What do you think, you're a good lawyer, what do you think's <laughs> gonna happen here? Well, I think it opens up Pandora's box. Because just think about your viewers and something you guys covered uh, tremendously was the incident in Coral Springs where the officers um, pepper sprayed the child and took him yeah. to the ground and gave him kidney punches. I mean, that's child neglect, that's child abuse. And I mean, you, we see it constantly. So by charging this officer with these crimes, now um, the state attorneys and both counties have opened themselves up to every time we see these types of incidents, mm -hmm. okay, 
If yeah. child abuse is not going in and doing your job, what well, about taking a kid yeah, down? I should have said it's child neglect. Child neglect. I think is it, the actual yeah. mm -hmm. uh, charge. But it's interesting, Marilee, the, the Broward State Attorney, Mike Satz, we're we'll talking about him later, <laughs> uh, issued a statement late this week that said, hey, this is kind of a one-off. Don't worry if you're a police officer. We're not going to yeah. just yeah, rig it. Right there, that's completely wrong. The law doesn't operate right. like that. Right. There's so no one-off in the statute. There isn't. And, and the thing is, now the uh, teachers could have guns in the classroom, right. for example. Right. So now you're going to accuse a teacher for not using a gun mm -hmm. if they had it. And, you know, so it complicates matters. A firefighter not going into a, a, right. a building you and know, at a certain time. To your point, it's a caregiver is the yes, word. Yes, caregiver. Because yes. we, I think we all looked at that and, and heard these charges being levied yes. and thought, well, wait a second. I mean, the guy might be a coward. He might have not done something, but is, is he a criminal? But the caregiver is who is a it's, caregiver it's, in So this the statute society? says it, it's custody or control. And right. the question is, what control did right. this resource officer have over that over a thousand children that were in Parkland? Probably not much. Custody. That's that's the argument. But then, what about the lunch lady? Like, where are we stopping when we're going down this road of who's yeah. got custody well, of our kids? Okay. Well, can teachers, I just address that mm -hmm. the lunch lady has a responsibility to serve lunch? And if yeah. a police officer has a responsibility to protect, that is a if the custodial lunch, type. If the of lunch lady sees a fight in the in, yeah. in the cafeteria and does nothing, has she not taken any action? Mm -hmm. Has she not intervened? And is that neglect? That's the problem with what they're doing. It's just a one-off. Don't worry. About yeah, that. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but one, one thing I wanted to bring up that I looked at, I actually read the um, the arrest warrant and I read the probable cause. This brings up some interesting concerns, yeah. yes, about Scott Israel, because the warrant for him says that Peterson was trained um, to do this mm -hmm. and that there were procedures in place for him to go in and save those kids. And now you have Israel facing a Senate um, hearing saying that you did not properly train and you did not have procedures. Yeah. You can't have it both ways with FDLE saying Peterson was trained and he had procedures. So this brings an interesting um, twist to the um, Scott Israel. That's an administrative infraction. But, if, but yeah, but if you remove Scott Israel saying you did not properly train and you did not have procedures, but now FDLE arrests an officer saying that he was properly trained and he had procedures, there is one or the other. As a caregiver. And every, right. everybody, hold, hold on, hold your okay. thoughts. We've got to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the future of Mike Satz and also the Broward State Attorney's Office. Stay with us. Welcome back. We are in the midst of a kind of rock and roll roundtable. Actually, very thoughtful, <laughs> not so much rock and roll. Chris Smith, uh, you are a veteran of Broward politics. You've been elected state house and the state senate from uh, Fort Lauderdale. Now, Mike Satz, I'm going to ask yes. you, given your history of involvement, Mike Satz has been the Broward state attorney since 1976. He announced this week he will not run for re-election, going to devote full time preparing to be the lead prosecutor in the yes. Nicholas Cruz case. So, what what do you say? I mean, he's been state attorney since I was at Broadway State Elementary School. Ouch. Uh, no. <laughs> Mr. Um, Satz, we apologize <laughs> for that comment. <laughs> but no, I, I think Mike has done a, a, a great job, and I mean, the, the diversity in his office he's had for years. But, and, and like you say, sometimes it's good to have some turnover and see some new yeah. direction. But I mean, it creates, if you look at, 
for years we had uh, Markham at Property Appraisers, SATS at State Attorney. You had uh, uh, yeah, our constitutional officers were so stable for years, but now you see a change, and, and those changes yeah. happen. He got in under change with coming in with Jimmy Carter, as yeah. we've read, yeah. but now things are changing and it's time to move forward. Right. Howard Fenkelstein is also going to be yes. leaving yep. at the end of this term as the Broward uh, Public Defender. So the old guard is changing yes. in Broward and in Miami-Dade as well. The Miami-Dade Commission is going to change profoundly <laughs> Tremendously. next year. It, it's, it's actually an exciting time. Any sort of change like this, if it's wholesale, mm -hmm. it's an exciting time because you're going to hear a lot of new ideas. People are going to discuss different points of view and hopefully, hopefully, the, the, the population gets to learn something or think about something, take a position on something. Is there, is there a difference? Miami-Dade Commission will be changing largely because term limits are now yes. imposed. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between stability in a justice system with a state attorney, with a prosecutor, with a public defender, and turnover there versus turnover an elected policy-making body? But these are elected positions as well, and 45 years seems to me like a really, really long time. A lifetime. Right, right? For so, right. Uh, you know, yeah. term limits, I think it's positive. Eight years, I don't know if it's enough. Twelve. Yeah. I mean, how many terms? I just think that when you have someone there for over twenty years yeah. in one position, I mean, most of us don't have the same job. And state attorney years, is a policy-making right. position because for years I was very critical of Mike Satz and his um, charging of juveniles as adults. He kind of led the nation in that for years, and then he started pulling back from that. And even yeah. this charge against an officer, you haven't really seen this from him or other states' attorneys. And so they are policy-making positions, even as a state yeah. attorney or public defender and sometimes it's good to have those change in policymakers. What do you think about Stephen what do you think about him as the lead prosecutor in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas case what why would a state attorney decide I'm gonna be the one to do this particular case? Well a couple of reasons one it, 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 it appears to be a pretty open and shut case so he's not going to really have a high degree of chance of losing it but I think I two, was not <laughs> expecting that answer. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's my legal opinion but two and I think more importantly because if you've spent over 40 years of your life doing something taking this step this profound step yeah. and, and, yes. and pro this prosecution, you could arguably not have had a more important prosecution yeah. in it's a, your, it's a your legacy, tenure. It's a legacy case. Yes. Yes. A, a nice way to, you know, twin the chapter. And he's done a lot of cases. I mean, he's done a lot of murder cases. I remember yeah. talking yeah. to him and Chuck Morton, his uh, number two for many years. Yes. I mean, they've tried a lot of cases together, so it's not like he's stepping back into the courtroom. He's yeah. he's done this for a while, and I think in, this would be a good the, one. In the final minute we have left, we just do want to acknowledge the fact that this week we lost one of the really oh. great ones here at Local 10 News, Todd Tongan. Uh, we are heartbroken. We had a big Memorial service yesterday, a lot of tears, a lot of laughter too, told some funny stories, but um, I want to thank people at home. They have inundated us with cards and texts and, and emails expressing their sympathy for our loss. Yeah. I'm wearing my purple because of Todd. And oh, Yesterday nice. I watched the, the tribute yeah. of all the employees speaking about him and I cried at home just watching it. It was Thank you. You know, very moving. I can't look at another taxi cab the same way now. <laughs> no I one mean, can. Right? Thinking about how much information he brought and humor and, and intellect he brought to South Florida by just driving that cab and having people speak yeah. to us. I mean, it meant so much to South Florida. That is going to be the legacy. final word. Thank you all for coming in. Great roundtable.